Speak the charm of make charm of make charm. There will come a time on the planet Earth when science and technology will be long forgotten. When wizards will rule the world. This is the Arnamancy Podcast, exploring esotericism, tarot, magic, and the occult. I am Reverend Eric. Welcome back to the Arnamancy Podcast. This is Eric Arneson, and I'm here today with Ingrid Kincaid, otherwise known as the Rune Woman. Uh, she says that she's wise and irreverent, so this should be a really interesting episode. She's a, a rune reader, an educator, and workshop facilitator for over 40 years, and she's published a couple books, uh, The Runes Revealed, An Unfamiliar Journey, and one that just came out on October 1st called Lost Teachings of the Runes, Northern Mysteries and the Wheel of Life. Uh, we're also here with a reindeer, <laughs> or at least half of it. <laughs> my mounted, well, he's a, a caribou, a mounted oh, yeah. caribou Do, in my living room. named him? I wouldn't do that. I would say he, ha- he has to talk to me about it. Yeah, let's hope that doesn't happen. Well, yeah. <laughs> Uh, he, he at least over. not while we're sitting this close to him. When was the last time that you walked into someone's living room and they had a, you know, <laughs> a, a pretty enormous mounted caribou? I love the setup. I love that it's it's literally the first thing you see when you come in here. Like, you get a little hint of like, oh, it's just, it's like a comfortable house, and then, oh, there's a caribou. <laughs> <laughs> My daughter calls this a Victorian curiosity shop, yeah. maybe because I have lace and dried flowers and um, crocheted things and... Yeah, yeah, it's kind of like there is stuff that that is kind of like, um, you know, grandma house. (laughs) But then... That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Not not like everybody's grandma, probably. (laughs) Probably not. So let's talk a little bit about your your origin story. Like, you have been doing the runes for decades. You started getting into them... A long, a long, time long time ago. And how did it happen? Like, what drew you to the runes, or how, or why the runes? Um, I I wasn't drawn to them. They came to me. That mm-hmm. that would be my first response. I have a background of um, being raised in a rather cultish Christian household, where the father was the rule and the Bible was the ruler, <laughs> and. Um, so it it wasn't something that I had um, the runes or even any type of uh, that occult or divination divinatory type of spirituality or anything that was considered pagan or demonistic or you know put mm-hmm. the label on it. So um, I had moved away from that. However, it it's a you know it's an infection that stays in your blood. As far as I'm concerned, it takes a long time to get out of it. So I was house-sitting for a friend, and uh, I'm very curious by nature. She had a pouch, a leather pouch on her coffee table that I picked up probably the first evening that I stayed there to watch the house and thought, hmm, I wonder what's in the bag. Mm. (laughs) So I opened up the bag and dumped out onto the coffee table uh, these small stones that had markings on them. And when I did that, what happened was this instant um, knowing, and it was like a voice in my head. There's a whole committee up there, but one of the voices said, uh, you know what this is. I know, you know, it's like Mm -hmm. talking to me, but also then I knew, I know what this is. And I and so then the committee responded, "Oh no, you don't!" And, and <laughs> like, "Oh yes, I do!" And then not only it was a really, really in, intensely powerful experience because I realized also that what I was looking at not only did I know what it was, I also understood something about it that I I had no way of understanding other than um, what I have come to appreciate and value is that it was. It was an ancestral memory. It was actually remembering something that's part of my 
DNA part of my in my bones in my blood, and that goes back to my connectedness with the, um, the North. And um, I'm a Northern European. You yeah. know, whether if we forget that when we a lot of us here in America have to call ourselves European Americans. That's where we came from. Mm-hmm. And I'm a Northern European American, and so it yeah, runs I, in my blood. Yeah, I understand that. I think you know. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm Norwegian. Yeah, yeah. So I have the background of the Scots Irish and the Swedish. So that's another reason I say that I'm irreverent. Is that I I have the Viking blood of adventure and the whale of the bagpipes. <laughs> <laughs> and then on that note, I just say to people, just get out of the way. If you, know, <laughs> you don't want something happening, get out of the way. So I, it was, for me, a remembering. It, was, it wasn't something I had studied. It wasn't something I was looking for. Oh, I think I'll explore some, something different or find a new religion. Or It was actually uh, a remembering. And as I have shared in, on many occasions, I thought thought if I put them back in the pouch and tied it up again, it would go away. Mm-hmm. That's what I would hope for. And it didn't. And, and um, it began, it, it, so it began to work on me and work with me so that it couldn't be ignored. Mm-hmm. And what I came to realize and understand was that these markings that are straight lines that look sometimes like letters of an alphabet that are referred to as the runes, I have uh, come to appreciate that they are signatures of actual beings, that there are primal, vibrational, sentient beings who hold wisdom from timeless wisdom about life and creation and, and... uh, living and dying, all all aspects of of the cosmos, um, and that when we look at this rune mark, what we're looking at is the sig- is a signature. Just as if I sign my name, you may have never met me. However, you could look at the signature and say, "Oh, that that's Ingrid's handwriting. Mm-hmm. That's Ingrid's signature," and then you would know something about me based upon. Uh, what you'd heard, mm-hmm. what you'd read, where you, if you had met me, what, under what circumstances, mm-hmm. and that you would never know all about me. Yeah. Because I have, I'm multifaceted, and this is the same with the runes. It's, it's not possible to take, take the signature of this ancient, ancient being and say in a book, this is what this rune means. You could say, on some occasions, this the energy of this being appears to be this way, and on some occasions it appears to be that way, mm-hmm. and that would depend upon the circumstance, what other runes were with it, also who you, what group you were with. Mm-hmm. So I I illustrate that with um, the fact that I write, I write poetry, I write books, I knit. I love to knit. I love working with fiber. And I ride a Harley Davidson. Now, if you met me at riding my motorcycle, you probably would know that aspect of me, but you might not know anything about knitting. That's true. And you could get in an argument with someone who had seen me at the yarn shop. They'd be like, Ingrid, you mean the nice old knitting lady? No, no, no. The, no, one, no. the one on the she motorcycle. Wears, she wears black leather. <laughs> so, so, and I think that this is the same, that, that when we come to really appreciate these markings and stop thinking of them as cartoons, the, you mm-hmm. know, Marvel cartoons and Hollywood bastardized movies and, oh, I'm going to write my name with the runes. It's, it's like, take them away from that realm of being an alphabet being an alphabet, perhaps, is one of the ways that they were able to be preserved as they have been, because they were definitely uh, demonized and oh, yeah. and pushed away. Maybe that preserved them, but they're not an alphabet. It's mm-hmm. not about spelling your name, because each one of those signatures, each being connected to that, holds it like a library of knowing. And so to work with them 
the main thing I would say to anyone is you've got to shut up and listen to them. Don't, when, it fall, when it comes out of the pouch, don't quickly go to the book and try to find out what it means. Sit with it. Thank, thank you for showing up. What am I feeling? What was I thinking about before you showed up? What does your shape tell me? How does, you know, if I held my body in that shape? Uh, uh, some of them might be uncomfortable. Some of them might be uncomfortable, but to, to have that intention, or if I mm-hmm. listen to the just the hum of the, the sound of the name that has been given to it, what happens? And And then not to question and doubt and argue because nobody has the one right answer for it mm-hmm. and that's what i say in the in both of my books the the tr- nothing is that i say is true nothing that i say and everything that i say is true but we need to ask questions yeah i mean this totally brings me a ton of additional questions so i want to like before I get into those, let's like a little bit more basic stuff. So you had the experience, you know, the runes fell out of the bag. You started to realize that you were experiencing them as sort of like signatures or marks from beings. But you also must have learned some more conventional rune stuff because the names, you know, you use the names of them and, and that sort of thing. So when you started to look into it, did you did you start to kind of like uh, work with what other people were doing with runes at the time, and then start rejecting what was going on, or or how did how did that get incorporated? And um, good, that's a good question. Um, yes, I I started to look for what the names were. Mm-hmm. However, every time I would read something. And there, and this is long ago. There was very little written mm-hmm. about the rooms. Right now, you know, the shelf is full. But that many years ago, there's very little written about them. Very I few. Can books. Imagine. I think I might have. Well, I mean, I didn't really start getting into this stuff until the very late '80s or early '90s. But I seem to remember some really like woo-woo Llewellyn rune books coming out around then. So every time I would read something, there would be like a gut, a visceral, it's like, oh no, oh. oh no, you know, it's like, uh, oh, the runes, the runes are benevolent and kind, and, and it was like, what? <laughs> uh, or this, this, you know, this is negative because it's upside down, and, and, and so the, that, that type of referencing all it never sat it gave me indigestion mm-hmm. it's like or people that wrote books are out about the runes that really just wrote from they were inter- it was a subject they were interested in but they didn't believe it oh. and and i think that well my sense is that they spoke to me. It wasn't so much about how I was going to, going to use them. They reactivated in me the memory that my people, mm-hmm. my ancestors, the people of Northern Europe, had deep-rooted spirituality. They were indigenous tribal people. Mm-hmm. Uh, they worshipped and or worshipped. Maybe we, they didn't. Maybe they just had relationship with. Unseen beings, ancestors, land spirits, mm-hmm. water spirits, giants—you name it, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call them—trolls, durger, dwarves, fairies—that was part of their life. They were not monotheists, yeah. and so when you start tapping into runes and say these are signatures of really ancient beings, and that there are countless runes, we just have this handful of things that are, have been kind of preserved in a condensed way, um, y- in order to do this, you must set aside the residual monotheistic over- corruption that exists in all of us mm-hmm. to go back to the place of, like, <clears throat> the people of the runes, the people 
well, and I, that was true of all of the peoples of Europe. Yeah. We were not monotheists. Nobody was. Nobody was. So I mean, you go across, like, uh, you know, the Mediterranean is a great example, right? Like, you had this great melting pot. All of the cultures of the Mediterranean, you know, they totally related with deities in some sort of, like, location-based way. Yeah. You know, you went to Isis, or you went to Egypt, and you went to a temple of Isis. You went to Rome, and you went to a temple right. of Jove, and you had, like, you know, the. it definitely was sort of... I mean, it, you know, it's hard to say what it was like without being there, but you get this impression just from seeing what people were doing that, you know, they knew that different places were the realms of different beings, and you went yeah. and paid attention to those things. When and they were local. Place. They were local. And and so so, <clears throat> for that, when you think the rune the rune um, energies come from the north, they they are about ice and glaciers mm-hmm. and. Dark nights and uh, midnight sun in the summer. Mm-hmm. These were the beings that existed and uh, dwelt in the, the realm of the people who worked with the runes. And if you approach them from this singularity, then it's easy to have them stay in alphabet or stay, you know, I'm going to read runes and it's a source of divination. Um, and even people use the expression like, well, spirit told me, and to which I always look them in the eye and say, which spirit? What are you talking about? <laughs> because by using the singular word spirit, the universe, what happens is you're, you're actually, we talked about that word, you're still corrupted. Mm-hmm. You're corrupting this beautiful uh, tapestry of beings with a singular word. And, and that's fine to say, oh, the people told me, but when you say spirit told me, it's it's singular, and it says to me, you haven't cleared away the monotheistic overlay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and that what what do you actually believe? Because there are a lot of individuals saying, oh, I'm pagan or I'm heathen, but when you start talking with them, they're just Christianity with a different dress on. Oh, <laughs> that's I, all. I, <laughs> I think you run into that a whole lot. Um, and it, yeah, and part of it is you, you can't escape it in our culture. You know, you, you, don't get to, you don't get to really go out into the world and have a normal conversation with somebody without having that kind of, like, uh, Christian monotheism. It pervades our language. Yeah. Like, I find myself saying, you know, saying God and Jesus all the time just in, mm-hmm. like, Usually, when I'm really frustrated with stuff, but <laughs> but I mean, it's it's uh, it's built into uh, it's built into the way we talk. Yeah. It's built into all of our stuff. Yeah. Uh, that's but that's a that's an interesting way to look at it. So wait, so do you use the runes for divination? Well, I I wouldn't say that I actually practice divination with them. I I, mm-hmm. I, I think that that's and and maybe the specifics of the word. Yes, I do. But what people think about what divination is, I mm-hmm. I have a, a different relationship with them. So what, okay. when I, and I will use rune, rune wisdom to speak to people. People come to me, people mm-hmm. pay me for perhaps um, interpretation. Maybe runes speak to me in, in a language that I'm able to interpret into okay. modern words to to give information. However, they they're not about foretelling the future. Okay. They 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 they're intimately woven into life. Mm-hmm. And there are patterns that exist in life that ca- are not able to be changed. Right. And so I use a very simple explanation. If you plant an acorn and it sprouts, it will not grow into a lemon tree. <laughs> it must become an oak. An oak. Yeah. And that, because of the patterning that exists in the acorn is the patterning that came to it from the, the simple and complex fact that it grew on an oak tree. And so inside the acorn, it carries the past. Mm-hmm of the tree from which it came and the soil in which it 
that tree was growing and the sunlight, all of that. So there's a pattern that exists in that in each individual acorn and that determines whether it will be a strong tree or whether it will um, you know, be a weak tree. However, it will still be an oak tree. Mm-hmm. And so what I say to people using that example is the runes vibrate with this kind of wisdom and if you've planted an acorn and an oak tree starts to grow and you're complaining about it then guess what you either walk away (laughs) or you stop planting acorns if you want a lemon tree go get a lemon tree you're not going to get it from an acorn yeah so so it's not about foretelling the future because when I say an oak tree will grow from the acorn, it's not foretelling the future. It's actually speaking the wisdom of the pattern of life. How we get to interact is we might uh, water that. We might protect it from the wind. We might talk to it, you know, give it a good sound vibration. Sure. And there's still the part that there are things that happen in life that we have no control over. And it might still die. Oh, yeah. And it's going to take it 20 years or 30 years or who knows to produce acorns. So don't sit there waiting to eat an acorn like you do waiting to eat the tomato, first tomato of the summer, because you'll starve to death. Mm-hmm. If you take simple principles of life like that, and that's how the runes actually speak, and, and apply them to your life, you're not foretelling the future, you're actually having a reality check. Yeah, I, I, uh, I like the way that you're putting that. I feel like sometimes, you know, I read tarot cards, and I feel like a lot of times that's how they are. They're frequently kind of a reality check, but they're also... Yeah, I don't really... I, I know that a lot, of, a lot of tarot readers claim to read the future, but when I look at it, I'm always like, this is... You know, reading the present, reading the past, I might be able to tell you like a potential for the future, but it's not free. Yeah. Or right. Yeah. And and then it only takes one movement on your part to change that mm-hmm. uh, that piece where you participate. It will never change the fact that the oak tree will come f- from the acorn. Right. Right. But it will if if you walk away at, on a summer day and let the sun beat down on that seedling that's you know that's your choice to walk away mm-hmm. and what happens will be what happens so it's not just fate fate it's to me i see that there's a pattern and there's a participation mm-hmm. and you you spin the threads and you weave them into the threads that already exist and that's a very common theme that exists within the norse Mythology is the weaving of the oh, the tapestry. Like the, the so norns the Norns are sp- the Norns have spun that which is. So I'm born and I'm born into a certain. I'm born in a certain country. I'm born to certain parents. I carry a DNA structure. You know, I have blonde hair and blue eyes and skin that burns if you just say sunshine to it. You know, I'm I glow. I'm glow in the dark white. That that's I'm that's the pattern that's already there. Now I get to to we spin and weave my mm-hmm. own individual threads into a pattern that already exists. Yeah, I like this um, this tree metaphor a lot. I was just watching a uh, documentary about um, uh, medieval forest management, <laughs> <laughs> but one of the things I was talking about was like. Uh, you know, we, you know, forests weren't necessarily, you know, forests that were next to villages were, were very well tended because people would need to plan ahead with the trees and they'd have to do things. I don't remember all the terms, but they would do things so that like they'd split this tree so that it would grow long, straight staves for walking sticks or for making, you know, fences and stuff like that. Or they'd, you know, bend this tree so they could have a curved piece of wood or they would, they would basically do all the stuff to help the trees force the trees into shapes that were helpful to them, mm-hmm. um, which I guess might go along with the oak tree thing. Like sometimes, you know, no matter what the, whatever is in, you know, encoded in the acorn, there's still the environment that it's going right. to sprout into. Right. Yeah. And, and that if we, 
if we stop thinking of the hierarchy that man is the ultimate or that we have all the power and all the control, which is again a very um, biblical kind of concept, if we think of in, more in terms of our participation, mm-hmm. we're just a participant. We can never be an observer of life because we are... We're part of it. We're part of it. So yeah. um, we... Are we provide something to nature just as nature gives something to us mm-hmm. uh, the animals the plants that there's an interaction so it's not always that we're that we damage things we participate it's when we become unconscious that's where I think the the danger comes in that we be when we're unconscious then we no longer think in terms of of dynamic relationship we begin to think in terms of control and power over right. and and that and that's to me the way the runes are used it's like you you can't the runes you must you must participate with them because mm-hmm. they are they're not things they are beings and they're alive and yeah. they um, for in, you know for instance if you read the book and there's this is the definition, this is the isness of it, and then you have runes come out and they don't fit that. The tendency very often is to try and manipulate them into a preconceived idea. Mm-hmm. I had a reading just not too long ago where there's a rune that's called Quarth, which is a rune most commonly associated with fire. Mm-hmm. And fire, perhaps, with regard to the funeral pyre. So how fire disposes of a body very quickly. Mm-hmm. And there's a rune called Ar, which is commonly connected to earth grave. Mm. So when you put the body in the earth, the way it breaks down is on a much slower process than putting it to the fire. Mm-hmm. So here's these two runes. And... First, like, well, they're both about death. Well, yeah. Uh, or, or this person is dealing with death. And that the, the loud and clear what what they were saying to me. And, and I, I do hear voices, and I do, and I do see things. But, and in this instance, it was like, no, stop. No, no, this is not what, why we're here. And so in a question, it's like, well, why? And they said, well, we were the best two runes to come forward to bring the example forth of what is fast and what is slow. Oh, okay. That then was like, oh, that gave the information that was really relevant to this particular reading. It wasn't about death. Mm Mm-hmm. Specifically, it was about understanding how th- how to deal with things s- rapidly. Mm-hmm. You know, it's consumed by fire, or it's buried in the earth and it breaks down more slowly. And this was really just about fast and slow. But if you're looking at the book and you're you're trying you're trying to maneuver the runes instead of listening to them. Mm-hmm. It, it well, it doesn't work. <laughs> I mean, you can make it work, and and somebody's going to say, "Well, then, never mind," because the runes don't talk to me, and I can never use them. To which I would say, they will speak to all of us. Mm-hmm. Most often, the issue is you're not quiet. You're never quiet. Yeah, yeah. Being able to listen is important. Yeah, and that doesn't mean with the music on and the headphones and the computer it means silence very often in the darkness and just being okay with listening and that's when the ancestors come that's when the the giant beings uh, that are part of the culture the beings of the north that's the only time that you can really hear them and sense them is Mm -hmm. when you're you're still enough to actually pay attention yeah, that makes sense. Um, so then how uh, do you... So have you have you successfully taught other people to listen to the runes the, the way you do? I believe I have. Um, 
um, and maybe they listen in a way that's different than the way I listen. I, um, I share my own experiences. Mm-hmm. I share what I believe to be true for me. I, it's not the right way and it's not the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Um, I really get a little, um, not a little, <laughs> it really pisses me off. <laughs> Let's just be truthful here. <laughs> So, now, now we get now we get well. In in let's pick let's say the community um, of witchcraft or the Wiccan. Okay, I, you know, okay. I, that's a broad. It's a pretty broad community, community. But well, you have to you have to put the water in the west and the fire in the south and the air in the east and the I don't know earth in the north and you have to go around the altar this way and stand on one leg and spit Mm -hmm. over your shoulder and hum and to which I say somebody made that up Mm -hmm. somebody made that up somebody made that up and it worked for them Mm -hmm. and maybe it would work for you but don't just do it because somebody made it up because you get to make up your own thing if you want Mm-hmm. And what you make up may work for you, and nobody else might like it. However, we need to step away from these programmed, conditioned behaviors that something has to be done a certain way because the book says, or because the guru, or the master, or the shaman, which is again that place where we've taken a we've taken ourselves out of the picture and we become the slaves we become the followers we become the puppets mm-hmm. and yes some people have you know maybe I have a different relationship with the runes and that's I, my whole life is about the runes so I might be masterful in that because I sit around and do runes all day and you might be a master at weaving a basket because you weave baskets all day so I don't you, want to toot my own horn, but there you go, <laughs> and you do it underwater at night, right? So I might I would come to you and say, are there any experiences or techniques or things you found to be helpful, and you could share that, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean that that's going to be the way that I have to do it. You might be right-handed, yeah, and if I came to you and you showed me a technique, and I'm left-handed, it might not work for me. Mm-hmm. And if you insisted that I had to use my right hand because my right hand was better than my left or, and left was impure or sinister or wicked or evil, all this <laughs> stuff that's gone on with left-handedness, mm-hmm. it, it, it would just be coming from your experience, but be coming from your experiences, experience as a right-handed basket weaver, not as a left-handed basket weaver. And that's the same thing about the runes is that we don't need somebody to be our savior. We don't need somebody that, you know, that's that whole uh, Odin and he sacrificed and he starved and he stabbed himself and he grabbed the runes and now we call him the All-Father. And to me, that just smells like another Christian story of I need to be saved and get the runes from the truth from some guy that hung on a tree. So... It is a good story, though. It's a great story, but I, I don't have to call the guy all father. No. Okay. Yeah. S- or my savior, and so I can share with you my experience, and I can say, here's here, make your own runes if you want, buy your own runes. I don't care. Mm-hmm. What I would ask for you to do is just be quiet and listen, and then see what happens. I think that's good advice. Well, so there's an interesting thing going on in the way that you refer to the runes as being sort of like the signature of beings or like connecting connection to these ancient beings in that it sounds like a lot of the ways that people are, or that, you know, practitioners are sort of like connecting with um, spirits now or talking to spirits or doing these sorts of spirit work. Um... And I, I don't know. I, I don't know how familiar familiar you are with like grimoire traditions and stuff like that, like the European grimoires, like the Key of Solomon and that sort of stuff. But uh, one of the things that you talk about in your lost teachings of the runes is you have your runes sort of like laid out in different directions, and the directions being associated with seasons and all this sort of stuff. 
And it kind of reminded me of this concept of these directional kings or directional spirits in in uh, the Key of Solomon. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if you've had experiences with any of these runes that has seen like it's sort of connected across cultures with other with possibly other beings or spirits from other traditions. Um, yes, I would say yes. I, I would back you up a little bit and I'd say, what the heck is Solomon doing in Europe? He's one of the guys, you know, it's like that that sets my hair on fire, all that stuff about the Council of Twelve and how come they all have names that come out of the Bible? And why are you always calling things angels when this has nothing to do with European spirituality? That's Christianity. Yes. So I would... That, I mean, that just was like, whoa. Well, I, I know. I'm just saying that it's okay. another tradition that exists. Right. But don't put it in Europe. Okay. Take it back where it came from. Well, I mean... To the desert. It spent a lot of time in Europe. Take it back to the desert. <laughs> because when it was brought to Europe, mm-hmm. it was not brought favorably. That People is were true. killed tortured, tormented. Christianity was not brought with open arms to Europe. It was not. No. So however long it was there, however long it's still in us, it's part of the religion of the desert. Mm -hmm. Desert God. Gods. And just... So that's where I... You know, it's like, whoa. Well, I mean, I have some very strong feelings about it it too. And, you know, the, (laughs) the Lesser Key of Solomon, which... It is a, is a collection of demons, but a lot of the demons in there are just gods of other cultures that they've demonized. Yeah, because even the concept of the demon, where does mm-hmm. that come from? Well, it's an ancient Greek word that just means spirit. Yeah. yeah. So, in yes, I would say that there, in the north there are these really beautiful beings that we can name whatever we want, and they, and the rune, and I would include the rune beings, in that, mm-hmm. they are not moral. They mm-hmm. don't have, you know, our morality comes again out of somebody else's religion. They're not moral. Mm-hmm. They're not good or bad. They're not right or wrong. Mm-hmm. They're not black or white, up, down, all of that. They just are. They're indifferent. They're apathetic. They don't really care because they're part of something that is bigger, mm-hmm. a bigger concept. So to say that this is a being of death, then we we would say, wonderful, because life comes out of death. Mm-hmm. So in that, then, a being of death has to also be a being of life. Just yeah. as a being of life is a being of death, because once you bring something forth, it will eventually die. Whatever, whatever that means, like breaking down or, or decaying or dying in, in a form. So to, to make something demonic... Mm-hmm. Again, goes back to that hierarchical. Well, there's these high gods, and then there's the lesser gods, and then there's the bad guys. Rather than, if you read the sagas, the high gods are just as screwed up and bad and evil as the bad guys. Yes, they are. <laughs> <laughs> right? So, so if we step away from that, and and um, which is hard because it's ingrained in us, but step away and say there isn't anything good or bad here. Mm-hmm. Well, this is destructive, or it's e- it's wicked, or it's evil. It's out to get you. It's like saying, well, the the ocean is evil because the ocean causes storms that sinks ships, and the ocean uh, brings tsunamis that destroy thousands of lives. That doesn't make the ocean evil. It it is. It just, it just means you really need to respect it. Uh, yeah, don't turn your back on it. It yeah. just is because the, it makes the earth viable there has mm-hmm. to be turbulence and storm volcanoes have to erupt mm-hmm. yeah. because they destroy things and they build new land so it's the same with these beings that all cultures i believe that were more, much more connected to earth experience the experiences of life and death and creation and destruction uh, ha- had relationship with all the seen and the unseen mm-hmm. and that we can, when we think that we can control them or banish them or clear them, it, it's it's a fantasy within the human mind that we somehow are more powerful or smarter or superior to to um, 
beings that have been here longer than we have and have a lot more power than we do. Mm-hmm. So it's it, to me, it's much more about finding relationship. Um, how do I fit into a big scheme? And yes, you know, global warming, if I live in the Netherlands, in all likelihood, my whole country's going to flood. Yeah. And and so be it, because at one time, it it was, you know, the British Isles were covered with the ice. So the people that live there now are really happy that the ice melted. Mm-hmm. It's, it's perspective and it's relative. So that doesn't really answer your main question, but... I believe, for instance, if there's a there's a great serpent that's described and spoken of, or several great serpents in the Norse tradition, you can go anywhere globally and find uh, cultures that have great serpents, mm-hmm. because great serpents exist, and great serpents serve purpose in the big scheme of things, and and they do I don't work with them I don't know many of them however sometimes they come to me when I work with runes because they the person that's sitting with me needs to have the information come from a different place Mm -hmm. and I will use an example that I had this was probably 10 years ago when a woman came to me and wanted the rune wanted me to toss some runes for her she, and many times people won't say what they want they just you know whether they're testing or they're embarrassed or mm-hmm. I, you know who knows doesn't matter and when I put my hand in the pouch just to feel around with the runes uh, and with my eyes closed this enormous serpent appeared it's like oh and so it's like well it was very definitely female how do I know these things? Don't ask me. It was very definitely female. And the eyelashes. It was the eyelashes with the little mascara. And uh, and I was like, are you Yarmungan? Are you Nidhogg? No. And really, like in this like forceful way, I am ayahuasca. Oh. No, I it was it was the ayahuasca serpent. And I don't you know, I've never not that I disapprove of it. I've never done ayahuasca. I don't know much about it. That's not my culture. That's not what speaks to me. And what she said to me, just really clearly and very force- forcefully, tell her she didn't do what I told her to do. That, oh. that was what this being told me. Mm-hmm. So I ask, you know, again... Just for clarification, your ayahuasca, you're telling me that I need to tell this person that? Yes. Okay, so I opened my eyes and looked the woman in the eyes and said, this enormous serpent appeared and said she was ayahuasca and that she wants you mm-hmm. to know that she she told me that you're, you haven't done what she told you to do. And now, if you could have looked at this woman's face... Mm-hmm. <laughs> she slid under the table and um, oh by the way she had just recently come back from South America where she had spent time doing ayahuasca and the reason she had come to have a rune reading was because because she thought perhaps if she sought another f- form of wisdom that it might give her a different answer oh. And and I mean I mean you can believe that or not believe it I don't care that doesn't matter that that was a really clear instance where a being from another culture came directly didn't you know didn't speak to Nidhogg the mm-hmm. chewing the roots of the world tree but spoke to me directly and I have it's like okay I don't even have a relationship with you but she said that doesn't matter you know I'm going to tell you something that she need that this person sitting in front of you needs to hear and and I my sense is that that happens very often that the we we have so many different cultures and ideas mm-hmm. and and I did have one time a man that 
came and acquired something of the runes, and it was very clear the message that came back to him, which is, you'll laugh about that. I'm just blabbing on. I'm a story. Go, go for it. Go for it. These are great. <laughs> okay, so this, this man is newly practicing Buddhist. Uh-huh. Came from Boston, very definitely Italian. A Boston... Italian, Italian. who had left Catholicism Uh to become a Buddhist, and he came to inquire about his father, who had been an alcoholic, who had committed suicide not too long ago, and he couldn't find him. He couldn't find, you know, he was trying to find his father, trying to connect. Mm -hmm. And, um, And so his question was... You know, I like. I just want to know: Is he safe? Is he happy? Is he at peace? Which is not necessarily what I'm going to answer. Why? How I would answer that. However, what happened in that was that the runes or the rune beings or it doesn't matter who or what. It was the question. Would your father ever go to a Buddhist temple and meditate? And he looked at me very strangely, and he said, "Well, no, my father was, you know, old Italian Catholic." And I said, "Well, you can't find him in the Buddhist temple when you're meditating. You need to go to the church. You need to go to the church. Yeah. And and whatever you do there, pray or however you relate, it it's." It's like you have to speak his language. And maybe that's limiting, maybe that's not true or not true. Maybe it was for the man who was the Buddhist. It does, maybe, 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 maybe it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But the, 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 the threads are woven together. And the runes, I, I became just an interpreter, that's all. Right, right. And whether it was the... Rune beings who see more or know more or have experienced more could say to me, he's in the Catholic Church. I don't know. But mm-hmm. I, I, I believe that that answers perhaps the question that you were asking that there. Are yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like... No, I guess was sort of the answer where you've mostly had experiences where you've seen beings from other traditions or other cultures have appeared, but maybe you haven't experienced them as being the same or even analog to the things that you're talking to through the runes or with the runes. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe they're not my relatives. That could be. Mm, You know? Mm -hmm. Um, I know that I'm not, this is going to sound, my ancestors don't let me get involved in other things. (laughs) I'm not allowed. (laughs) Uh, I'm very curious about the Ohum from the the Celtic uh, or the Irish. Oh yeah, like the Gaelic. uh, They're they're also straight lines and they're connected to trees and I have a set and, and, and and I... I understand it, and it resonates. Like, mm-hmm. oh, this definitely, each tree having its own wisdom, mm-hmm. and each tree having its own energies. Every time I sit with those uh, stones, those markings, it, the message that comes back to me very clearly is, yes, you could do this, yes, you can connect with it, and that's not what we've asked you to do. So you basically, you've got a mission. Well, I feel that I do. I, yeah. I, and I, that there's bringing back this awareness mm-hmm. of our of the spiritual heritage of the people of Northern Europe, in in playing a part in it, mm-hmm. and that there are, you know, we need to remember who we are, so that we know where we're going. And we are people that have lost our way. We are. And we have forgotten. We've forgotten, like I say in the beginning of the book, we played drums. 
They were made with reindeer hide a lot of times, mm-hmm. or elk, but we had drums. We painted our bodies. We wore feathers and bones in our hair. We braided our hair. Mm-hmm. We sang. Mm-hmm. We danced. We took a lot of drugs. We told we we lived we lived in altered states. We yeah. we truly did. Um, we had stories, and we believed in the existence of all things. Mm-hmm. We don't need to go to somebody else's culture and take that from them. If we can just go back f- through our own line and reconnect with our own heritage where the people that that were our, we call our ancestors, where they lived in connectedness to the earth. So do you think, though, that now that you live uh, in the Pacific Northwest, you know, 4,000 miles from, from Northern Europe, is there something to, uh, like, is there, is there, is there still a locality to your spiritual practice, or are you finding that the the uh, the rune beings are um, are more tied to like your ancestry than to a location? I would say at this point in in my life that they're more tied to my ancestry, mm-hmm. and yet they're not uh, out of harmony or out of sync with location because the the wisdom they hold is um, uh, location specific as far as like climate and terrain Mm -hmm. but the truth is still there about the way life is and that what's happened for many of us is we haven't lived in these places long enough for the land spirits and the beings here to even recognize us we're still walking as strangers here Mm mm-hmm and and and, invi- and and finding our way so what what because we don't belong here mm-hmm. we haven't been here long enough to belong here or to even for people to accept that we belong here mm-hmm. and we don't we don't belong in Europe anymore because we weren't born there we most of the time don't speak the language so what we can connect with is our ancestral line because our ancestors are care about us it's our family and they support us and guide us so that because we're wandering mm-hmm. and um, well and honestly wandering is a big part of the northern European lifestyle yeah. I mean northern we, Europeans are made to wander and we and we carried we carried it with us mm-hmm. you know we carried the ember to start the fire we carried the bones just like the Wandering Jewish uh, Jewish people did they carried their teraphim their family mm-hmm. idols with them when they when they wandered in the desert. They we, carried their uh, they carried their gods with them yes. too. You know they took the their tabernacle it was yeah. a bunch of tents. You know so they had yeah. So if we don't remember who we are, we're wandering around without our our rootedness. Mm-hmm. We're wandering around without our ancestral knowing and we're only a few hundred years away from it and we still have you know it it takes a long time for the the, the many generations for things to change we still like you and i sitting here we still carry the mark we are definitely northern european in the way we appear right and (laughs) there's no mistake about that yeah so so we may have a little mix of this or a little mix of that but the but the overall energetics are are an ancestral connection to something that's very specific Mm -hmm. and for some of us it's not you know my grandfather on my mother's side was born in Sweden. My mother was the first generation. Mm-hmm. So I'm second generation. I'm not that far away from the, that Swedish lineage. Mm-hmm. My children's father was from Czechoslovakia, the former Czechoslovakia, now it's the Czech Republic. So my children are first generation. Right. It's not that far away. But there, there's like somehow a disconnect that we have. And so we're messing around in other people's spiritual practices which maybe that's good maybe that's bad it doesn't you know it's neither here nor there it's like but 
why wouldn't you be interested in your own heritage? And it takes energy to go past the Christian imprint. It does. I, I suspect that a lot of times people get called or drawn in different directions, too. I mean, uh, you know, I, I got exposed to the runes early on, like I said, but I don't think they ever really, they never really called to me super strongly. I mean, I'm curious about it now, listening, just from listening to you talk about them, and I'll probably look into them more, but, uh, you know, I mean, a lot of the, a lot of the stuff that I practice is, is Middle Eastern and Greek and Northern African, but it talks to me. But I probably have some ancestry from that. Yeah, who knows? I mean, who knows? <laughs> right. And it, it, it's not that it, it's not. I mean, that's, it doesn't make it true. It doesn't make it false. It's it's just yeah. yes, we're called to different things. And I don't like tomatoes and bananas, you know. And that's maybe <laughs> maybe we didn't have them up north. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so and it, it, again, it's. For me, my mission, mission or assignment or what I've been asked to do is not just spend time one-on-one reading runes or divining with the runes, is that to write about these experiences and perhaps write in a voice that's different than what is commonly found on the shelf. Mm -hmm. And ask if anyone who reads my books and anyone who knows me knows that the way that I teach is with a question. And I always come with, have you ever thought of that? What's, mm-hmm. you know, what's that about? What does that mean? Um, because a lot of times we are doing, we're following something by default. Because yeah. we didn't know that there was something else. Or it's an accident of our birth. Mm-hmm. You know, we're following the religion of our parents. And, and until something Jogs that it's like, well, this doesn't work for me. Is is there someplace else that I can can look? Or I know, I mean, that's with the runes for me. It was like, oh, this is something that I already know, and it, it's strange to remember something that you haven't learned. Yeah, yeah. Plato would call that anamnesis. The the idea, or it's the concept that like we aren't, we never create knowledge. We just get access to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and that's that. When did you enter into the story? That's the same mm-hmm. thing that I ask in uh, the lost teachings. It's a it's a continuum, and then where did you come in? Because it's already there. Mm-hmm. So um, I also I, the more that I work with a relationship with these beings, the more intricate uh, 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 I'm I'm in awe of the layers and layers of intricate layers of weaving that exist within this realm, this Mm -hmm. particular realm. And how, when you look at runes on the the web, because they're straight lines, they're always intersecting each other. The continuation of the line crosses another rune, crosses another rune. And that they form each other. So, not only if you look at a rune and you say oh it's that rune thorizas for instance is made up of isa and kenas mm-hmm. so then you can say oh okay is that is that are, are they related closely related and what would be the relationship between this rune thorizas and the rune of ice and the rune of inner wisdom or inner knowing, the fire of inner knowing. And over and over again you see where there's coming together of fire and ice. Fire and ice yeah. in the in the shapes of the runes. And then th- that takes you back to the fact that the stories that come out of the North, uh, our story of creation or the appearance uh, uh, of things is a story of fire and ice. Mm-hmm. And, and so... If we're so brainwashed that everything has come from the South, all civilization came from the South, that's the cradle of civilization, that's the emerging, we forget that that there was also civilization emerging in the North. Mm-hmm. Because we haven't looked up there, and the reason we haven't was because it's been frozen. Now it's thawing. Stuff is coming out, all of a sudden it's like, oh, 
we didn't know that. We didn't. We've, so, it's a story of melting ice. Hmm. You know, think about what what happened when Muspelheim and Niflheim, the realm of fire and the realm of ice, collided. It created this chaotic experience of the melting of the ice, mm-hmm. and out of that chaos emerged the beings. That's a that's a creation story. Yeah, and it's just as true as whatever somebody teaches that life emerged out of the primordial ooze in Africa. But my ancestors didn't. Maybe yours did, but mine didn't. We came from the north. Mm-hmm. We're the northern people. We have our own creation story. We have our own experience. We're not desert people. We're not jungle people. We're people of glaciers and dark nights and endless summers. And why would we believe that there was only one story? Just like why would we believe that there's only one God? And I, I sense that as the ice is melting now, this is another round of melting. It's melted before. It'll freeze again. Mm-hmm. There's going to be catastrophe and destruction and extinction. And that's happened before. And it will happen it's when again. when the fire meets the ice. It's when the fire meets the ice. So then it's like, oh, is it possible that the North is coming back now with this wisdom and information that people have ignored or forgotten or neglected? And it's in our face right now because we're we're hearing, seeing, experiencing another story of fire and ice. And when fire comes together with ice, it melts. Mm-hmm. And when ice melts, it releases energy because it's water held in the form of a crystal. So something is held there that's being... What's being released? What's being created? Hopefully not giants. <laughs> well, <laughs> we maybe could you? Yeah, but I mean, the Earth survived when there were dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. Maybe we weren't there. However, the Earth survived. Yeah. And if we believe that she, he, whatever, is a being, um, she's doing something that we maybe don't understand. And I ask that question in, in the Lost Teachings book. If Kari is the being of the north wind, mm-hmm. and he was the bringer of the storms and the ice and the blizzards, um, who is he in relationship with right now so that there's a different wind blowing that's bringing about a melting because he doesn't bring the melting he's mm-hmm. he's the being of the of the north wind which of the brings, freezing of the freezing mm-hmm. so when you begin to live in this realm of all things are alive you can step back and say what an amazing story is unfolding here because these beings are talking with each other, participating with each other. And what agreement does he have with maybe the sun? Maybe the winds? We don't know. Maybe the water? Have you tried to use the runes to find out? All they Well, they're not going to give you an answer other than it's change, and change always happens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's all. We're, we're as humans, we just want to, and the reason we want to know is because we don't like to be inconvenienced. We yeah. don't like our land to be flooded. We don't like we don't like to die. Yeah, I don't want to be inconvenienced. I feel like if inconvenience was good, it'd probably be called something else. Exactly, it wouldn't <laughs> be called inconvenience. Right? <laughs> Well, this this has been a really fascinating conversation. Uh, I think we we've we used up. I think we've used, used up all, all our, our time. time. Yes. So maybe you can tell people about where they can find you on the internet. Yes. I'll make sure that there are links to your books uh, in the show notes. So um, the easiest way to find me is with my name, Ingrid Kincaid. Dot com. Ex- yeah. It's spelled exactly like you expected. Yeah, com. Uh, my website, then you can find my email there. You can find a way, links for the books. I have, um, I have a 
book signing event at New Renaissance on the 27th of this month, October. Okay. Uh, where they, there will be books available for sale. I'm going to do some actual demonstrations using the wheel with uh, the, the runes so that uh-huh. there can be a little audience participation. I will be announcing... I te- I've I've taught a class. This book is based upon a class that I've taught for the, like 10 the years. Teachings. Yes. Okay. So I'm going to be teaching that again within the next couple of months. And you and you will be using the book as, as your textbook. Mm-hmm. And my classes are always quite small and very intimate. And so um, you might want to be heads up for something like that. And okay. then I have a lot of live recordings almost everything that i teach i just record live and i sell those recordings on mm-hmm. my website there are some things that are also free um and that just know that it's just as i say it's live so it's going to have you know clinking glasses and coughing and, and all ums, of that lots of ums <laughs> ums in there and uh, maybe some swear words i don't know um so just go to my website if you want to connect with me. That's the best way. Um, and come to New Renaissance if you're in the area. I usually once a year do a public ritual. However, it always sells out, and it already has. <laughs> so you're too late. All right. Well, people can pay attention for next year. I, <laughs> or beg me to do, too. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again. It's been excellent having you. Thank you for listening to the Arnamancy Podcast. You can find me online at arnamancy.com, where you can schedule a tarot reading or peruse the Arnamancy blog. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher. If you like this podcast, support it for just $1 a month through Patreon at patreon.com slash arnamancy.